Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So we start a new series today. We're going to do four weeks looking at um, different aspects of Moses' journey. Uh, we're going to talk about, it's called, the series is called Preparation for the Journey. We're going to talk about four significant moments in Moses' life. We're going to look at how God prepared him for the journey that he was on. And in so doing, hopefully we'll extract some stuff to help us recognize, A, that we are on a journey. Yeah? It's not, we don't get to the point where we, we decide to follow Jesus and then that is the end. That is definitely the beginning. Yeah? Uh, I was trying to work it out this morning. I think I've been a Christian for 45 years, no, 35 years. 35 years ago, I made a decision to give my life to Jesus and to follow Jesus 35 years ago. And let me tell you something, I have not arrived. I still have things to learn. I've definitely not arrived. So if you're young in your faith, if you're old in your faith, this is still a journey that we're on. There's still things that we need to learn, still moments where we need to encounter God's grace. And so the whole idea of preparation for the journey is that we'll be able to pull some things out and apply it to our lives and see what God has to say to us. So we're looking today at the account where Moses is called. Calling is a funny thing. Moses is called. It's the account of the burning bush. Now, here's the thing. I want to say this right up front. I don't want anyone to leave this morning thinking that they have to sit in their garden and wait for one of their plants to catch fire spontaneously before they feel called by God. We are all called by God. And there'll be different things and different moments where we're called to do different things in different circumstances. But the point I want to get across, I'm going to say the point first, is that God has something for each of us to do. And the way that we find that out is we have to make sure we're in a place where we can hear what He has to say to us. Along this journey that we're, we're on, this, this faith journey that we're on, we need to ensure that we're having these God encounters, these God moments where we allow Him to speak to us and where we allow Him to show us things so that we know what we are supposed to do. There's a huge difference between knowing and experiencing. Knowing and experiencing are two very different things. You may know about Jesus. You may know that He uh, walked the planet, that He lived, He died, rose again. You may know that following Him is the best thing to do. You may know what the Bible says, but you still have to experience who He is. You have to experience His presence. You have to experience His grace and His love and His mercy. You have to experience His voice. You have to experience those things. Knowing is good. Experiencing takes your knowledge to a different place. And that's, that's what happens here with Moses. I'm sure you're familiar with the, with, the, with the narrative, and we'll get stuck into the narrative in a moment. And I'll maybe pull some things out uh, that will help us. But Moses will have known about God. Even though he was raised in Pharaoh's palace, you know, his, his mom would have put him in the basket when he was little because the, they were under threat of all baby boys being executed. So she put him in a basket. Um, Pharaoh's daughter found him. And then Miriam, Moses' sister, who was a genius, says, hey, why don't I find someone to look after this baby for you? And gets Moses' mom. It's just an incredible, incredible turn of events. 
And so Moses is raised in Pharaoh's palace, but I believe he knew he was a Hebrew because we see later on in his life, he sees one of, one of the Hebrew slaves being assaulted and he stands up for that Hebrew slave and ends up killing the Egyptian um, who was um, mistreating the slave. So he stands up for his people. He knew he was a Hebrew and so he would have known about God. But commentators agree that at this point, this is where Moses moves from knowing about God to knowing God. And let me say, regardless of how old you are or how long you've been coming to Cinnamon Brow, everyone needs to move from knowing about God to knowing God for yourself. You can't rely on your parents' experience of God. You can't rely on your friends' experience of God. You as a person, regardless of your age, need to move from knowing about God to knowing God. That's, that is the journey that we're on. And that's, that's the exciting part of what it means to be someone who follows God. So Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to get carried away. So I'm apologizing in advance because I love this stuff. <coughs> Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read some bits to you. And then uh, we'll, we'll see where, where we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. <laughs> right, I'm going to stop a lot because, because things happen while I'm reading scripture. So I'm going to stop there. And let me just say this to you. He led the flock, so it says in the first verse, led the flock to the far side of the desert, he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. When did, it, when did it become the mountain of God? When did it get called the mountain of God? Not there. Many years later, when Moses leads the children of Israel through the Red Sea, and they come to the mountain, and he goes up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, that's when it becomes the mountain of God. That's when they call it the mountain of God. But here in this verse, it says, Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, the writer, Moses, is referring to it as a mountain of God because that's what they know it to be then. But now, it's not the mountain of God. It's just Mount Horeb. And Horeb means desert or wilderness. And let me say this to you. And I felt this strongly as I was reading this. It may feel now that you are in a bit of a desert, a bit of a wilderness, but you don't know that if in the future this bit of desert and wilderness that you're living in now will be referred to in your life as the mountain of God. It's the same place. It is the same place. The only difference is the experience of God's presence in that place. So Moses in this situation, he's in the desert, he's in the wilderness, he goes to Mount Horeb, and at this point he doesn't realize that later on this place is going to be called the mountain of God. That's for free. It's all for free, to be fair. Verse 2. <laughs> there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. At that point, I probably would have just legged it. There's a bush calling my name. I'm out of here. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. 
At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, sticky, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign. This is, this is one of, you know, when I preach sometimes, I'll say there's some verses that I don't like. This is one of them. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God says to Moses, the sign that it's me is uh, when it's all done, you'll, you'll know that it was me. That's not helpful, is it? It's not, can we have something a little bit more concrete, please? Not when I've done everything and it's all worked out, then I will know that it was you. That's, that's not great. That's not helpful, Lord. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? And what shall I tell them? This is a bit like introducing someone to someone else and you forget their name. Yeah? And instead of saying, I, I can't remember your name, sorry. Uh, you go about some, some really convoluted way of doing it. Yeah? To try and get them to say their own name. I feel this is what Moses is doing here. He's like, I don't really know who you are. So when I go to the people and they say... What shall we call you? What shall I say? God says to Moses, I am who I am. Or I will be who I will be. Or the actual, the actual word means being. God says being. Thanks. Being. I am who I am. This is what you are say, to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then he goes on, God gives uh, Moses some instructions, and, uh, and we get to the point where Moses leads the children out of captivity through the Red Sea to the mountain of God, to the mountain of God. First thing, let me say this to you. God's calling is more about who he is than who you are. God's calling is more about who he is than who you are. And it's important to know that because we can get into the mindset that you need to be a type of person or you need to have a particular gift or you need to be a Christian for so long or X, Y, Z to be called by God or to be asked by God to do something. But God's calling is more about who he is than who you are. There's a there's a kind of progression in the things that God says to Moses. And it's a bit of a free, bit of a free sermon if anyone wants it, really. God says, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned, so I have come down. Now go, I am sending you. There's, there's a progression of things that happens there. But none of those things is, I've seen how amazing you are, Moses, so uh, I feel like I need to use you in a particular way. Nothing in that passage says anything about Moses. It is all about God's heart for his people. And then God says, now go, I am sending you. It is less about who we are and more about who he is. Tim Keller, who is a, a pastor, an author, 
really good, um, really encouraging, actually. He makes this point I thought was brilliant. <coughs> he talks about the fact that God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God does that a lot, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to help bring some context. But Tim Keller says this, when God says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, here's what he's saying. I work with the most unpromising material. I took that coward Abraham, that dysfunctional father Isaac, I took that schemer, con man Jacob, and I made them into great people. I changed the world through them. Who knows what I can do through you? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember what they did. And sometimes when we see that phrase, we think, we, we hold them up as, oh, Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. They were messed up people. But God still used them. And if God can use them, why can't he use us? Why can't he use us? So God's calling on your life is less about who you are and more about who God is. That God encounter, that God moment is about who he is. So how do we discover what God wants for us? Very simple. Step by step. Step by step. See, Moses has this encounter with God. God doesn't download everything that's going to happen in the next 20 years to Moses. He doesn't. It is step by step. God gets his attention first. There's a bush that's on fire, but the fire is happening, and the bush is not getting any, any burnt or, or any smaller. It's not being destroyed in any way, and it gets Moses' attention. Our commentators say it's quite common for a bush to spontaneously combust in that heat, in that desert time. So Moses would have seen bushes on fire, the thing about this one is it wasn't getting burned. So he, God gets his attention, first step. And then when he gets close to the bush, God calls his name twice, Moses, Moses. It's at this point, like I said, some of us would have left because the bush on fire is talking to me. I need to be careful what I'm eating. <laughs> I'm having a strange moment. Moses, Moses. Then Moses answers. Then he has to take his sandals off. So it's step by step. There are things happening here, step by step. I like the idea that he had to take his sandals off. I led worship once, and I really felt convicted about this. I can't remember what I was reading. I think it was this passage, and I felt I need to do this. I took my shoes off and led worship barefoot. I quite like being barefoot, so it won't be unusual. it's not unusual for that to happen. But it was unusual for everyone else on the platform at the time. Why is Nick not wearing any shoes? But I felt like I needed to do it because I needed, I needed in my heart to recognize this is a holy place. And just not, just not recognizing it in my heart wasn't enough in that moment. I needed to do something to help me to further recognize that this was a holy place. So I took my shoes off. And I think sometimes we need to be aware that maybe we need to do something in preparation to say, I'm ready for you to speak to me, God. I'm ready for this to be a holy moment. It may not be that we have to take our shoes off. It'd be great if people, visitors came to CB and there's a big pile of shoes at the door. So everybody's kicked their shoes off because we were all expecting to hear from God. And that's how we get our, our, our brains in the, in the right frame of mind. But anyway, he takes his sandals off. Then God says who God is. Then God says he's seen, heard, what he's going to do. Then he tells Moses that he's sending him. Lots of things happen there. 
And if we want to hear from God or receive a calling or know what God wants or to have those God moments, this is how it happens, step by step. We hear what God says, we take on board what God says, and then we hear what God says next. It is a step-by-step thing. God uses busy people. He uses busy people. If you're just sat around waiting to hear from God, and there's someone who's busy serving, guess which person is going to hear from God? If you got your feet up thinking, I want to wait until this bush outside my window catches on fire, and I hear my name, then I'm going to really get involved in what God has for me. And there's someone else who's like, I'm going to join a team, I'm going to serve, I'm going to do this. Guess which person is going to hear from God? The person who is busy and faithful and serving. The the Bible says here that Moses was essentially working for his father-in-law. He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He wasn't sat around waiting for a God moment to come to him. He was busy. We can be lazy, though, sometimes. Uh, There was an internet poll where the question was, what's the laziest thing you've ever done? And the one that grabbed my attention in the list was a guy who was in the military. He said, I was in the military once. I was on an aircraft carrier, and the operations officer, the guy who's in charge of the bridge, came down for breakfast. He said he looked like he'd had a rough night. He was really tired. Clearly, you could see he was tired. He sat at the table. He picked up a bagel. And because of the way that the aircraft carrier was on the, on the ocean, the sun was shining through the, the porthole, and at least had a window just want you to know they understand the nautical terms, through the porthole onto his face. So he's eating his bagel for his breakfast, and he picks up his phone, and he calls the bridge, and he mumbles something into the phone, something about degrees, and then he puts the phone down. And then very slowly, the sun slips off his face and onto the wall. And the guy who's writing the story says, I realized that what happened was this guy had called the bridge and asked them to change the angle that the ship was facing the waves, slightly, just enough so that the sun shining through the porthole would not be on his face. He could have moved. (laughs) But instead, he made hundreds of thousands of pounds of metal and hundreds of people on a ship do what he needed them to do so that he didn't have to do anything. It's great. He definitely won the award for me. And we can sometimes have the attitude that we need to wait for, for those God moments to come to us. But let me encourage you, get busy, do something, serve, work, see what God has to say to you because God uses busy people. Are we putting ourselves in a place where God can speak to us? Are we putting ourselves in that space where God can speak to us? Are we taking time to turn our attention to him. The Bible says that Moses saw the bush. He, thought, he saw that it was on fire. He went over to have a look. He turned his attention to it. And we need to have those moments where we turn our attention to God. Whether, it's, whether you're a first thing in the morning person, or you're a midday person, or you're an evening person, we need to have moments where we turn our attention to Him. The most common way that I hear God is, is through this. And let me say, it's the most common way that God speaks to us is through this. If you're waiting for that audible voice, <laughs> you need to read this. If you're waiting for a bush to catch fire, you need to read this. 
if you're waiting to get some, some sense of guidance and, and some idea of what you need to do next, you need to read. This is how God speaks to us. Those moments where, where people hear God audibly or you have that, you know, that tingly moment or whatever it is you want to describe, those are great. And God does speak to us in those ways. But he mainly speaks to us through this. And we need to get stuck into this. We need to turn our attention to God's word. What would have happened if Moses didn't turn towards the bush? What would have happened if he did stop, he heard his name, and then he freaked out and ran off and never went back to that part of the desert again? What would have happened? There's some people in my life that I know have heard God audibly, have heard the voice of God audibly. Uh, there was a family when we were growing up, there's a family that we were friends with, and uh, the woman, she's a single parent, she had three children, they all loved God, and they used to go to church, and she didn't, didn't like the fact that they were going to church. And so she would, she would put things in the way to prevent them from going to church. She'd make sure they had chores to do on a Sunday, or she'd say, no, you're not going today. She was quite, she was quite, um, she was quite a barrier to, to them being able to go to church on a Sunday. And she tells the story that she was in the house by herself, and she heard a voice say to her, those children are mine. Those children are mine. And she knew there was no one there. Why would anyone say that? She just knew it was God. She wasn't someone who believed in God. She just knew at that moment that God was speaking to her. She became a Christian, which is good. And, uh, and her children became, uh, they, they carried on going to church. They became leaders in that church. Sister Gloria, we called her, because um, that was her name. <laughs> She audibly, she heard God speak to her audibly. I've never heard God speak audibly, but I have those, I've had those moments where I know that God has said something. It's usually a thought in my head, and it usually cuts across anything that I'm thinking at that moment. It's just something completely different. And you can tell it's God speaking if you're worried, but what if it's me? Uh, what if it's the enemy? You can tell by the tone. Is the tone condemning? It, does, it make, does that voice make you feel guilty? Because if the voice makes you feel guilty, it is not God. Does the voice make you feel, I need to respond in some way? Is there a sense of love? Is there a sense of compassion? Then it is God. If does the voice tell you to do something that Scripture clearly says not to? <laughs> it's definitely not God. So there are all those moments where, where God speaks. I remember reading a passage, I think it's in Isaiah, where Isaiah is speaking, and he's speaking on behalf of God, and the verse says something like this, who is he who will devote himself to me? I remember reading that, and immediately had the sense that God was saying, is this you? Is this you? Will you devote yourself to me? didn't hear anything, but I was, I was gripped. I was gripped by a sense that I needed to respond to this question. So much so that I couldn't respond that day. Because I thought, this is, too, this is too important to just go, yeah, of course. I need to, I need to really think this through. Because if I'm responding to God, I speak in a high-pitched voice, apparently. Yeah, of course. So I needed some time. So it took me a couple of days to be able to come back to God and say, this is me. Yes, I will devote myself to following you. So God speaks to us, but we need to have these God moments. One more story. The guy who spoke... When I became a Christian, there was a guy who was speaking, and the things that he said terrified, talk, preached about hell, and I was just terrified, absolutely terrified, and, um, and I'd been going to Sunday school from the age of six, and I was 14 at this point, 
But he, he made it so clear that I did not want to go to this place he was describing. He was very good. <laughs> uh, and so that was my, that was my moment. And um, obviously, after that, we, we got to know each other because I, I went to, this, to the youth meeting in that church, but then I would start going on a Sunday. And I got to know this guy. Listen, where I grew up in, uh, in, in a third world developing country on the coast of South America, related to the Caribbean, we called everybody brother and sister, okay? So Brother Abrams was his name. I can't even remember his first name. We just called him brother. So Brother Abrams. And he told me his story. He became a Christian, and uh, he uh, went to the army. He was, he, was, he was army cadet, and then he was in basic training. And someone had given him a Bible, and he took the Bible with him to army training. When he had a break, he would go and sit under a tree, and he would just cry. He'd sit with the Bible and cry. And the reason he would do that is because he couldn't read. He'd never told anyone that he couldn't read because he was embarrassed. But he would just sit with his Bible and cry because he wanted to know what God said. But he just, it didn't make any sense to him because he couldn't read. So he sat under the tree, Brother Abrams, sat under the tree. And he hears a voice saying, open the book. He opens the book, put your finger there. So he puts his finger there. And then as he's pointing at different globs, different blobs of text, the voice is telling him what those words are. For God so loved the world. And that's how he learned to read. God taught him to read. So this is someone I know. This is not a story that I read. This is someone that I know. God taught him to read. And the first thing he learned how to read was John 3.16. Amazing. Now, I'm not telling you that so you go home at night thinking, why does this not happen to me? I'm telling you because there are God encounters for all of us, and we need to be in a position where we are ready to hear what God has to say to us. It might be that he highlights some scripture like he does a lot to me. It might be that there's a song on the radio and one of the lines in the song just grabs your attention like it has to me on many occasions. It might be that you're outside and, and something about the way the trees are moving or the clouds in the sky just, just, just warms your heart and grabs your attention. God has encounters for us all, but we have to make sure we're in a place where we're ready to receive what he has to say to us. The thing we need to do is we need to respond in obedience. It is step by step, but with each step that we take, with each uh, thing that God shows us, whether it be uh, something that we need to do or something that we need to respond to, we need to respond in obedience. You need to do what you know you should do because that's how we grow. And that's how we increase those God encounters, because we are saying, I hear what you are saying, God, and I'm going to do what you are saying. If you follow the story of, of Moses through, Moses did not respond immediately well. Initially, he did. When God says, take off your sandals, and God calls his name, and he says, he responds, and God explains who he is. And then when God says, I'm sending you, Moses is like, oh, hold the phone. Who am I that I should go? And God says, it's okay, I'm going to go with you. But that wasn't enough for Moses. And so Moses has an argument with God. And then they come to an agreement that Aaron, Moses' brother, would go with him. So Moses has a discussion. He, he, he doesn't immediately respond in obedience, but then he does. And he does do what God asks him to do. And he is able to lead that nation from captivity to the mountain of God, like we talked before. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, 
put it into practice. What you have learned, put it into practice. I don't want to be the type of Christian who is desperate for the next new thing when I've not put into practice the last thing that God had said to me. We have to put these things into practice. When you read Scripture and it grabs your attention, you need to say, God, show me how I can put this into practice. I want this to become a part of who I am. My final thought is this. It's never too late. It is never too late to hear from God. It's never too late to be called by God. Let's look at Moses. When Moses listens to what God says, and he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, you know, I've, I've spoken to God. God says, let my people go. At that point in his life, Moses was 80, 80 years old. This is the start of his ministry. This is the beginning of him listening to what God has said and doing stuff and leading the nation. He was 80 years old when he started to do what God had called him to do. 80. He lived until he was 120. So he's, he's, he's way, past, way past the midlife crisis if he had one. He's way past that at this point. That's when God starts with him. It's never too late for us. Never too late for us. And we, we can have... Lots of reasons why we disqualify ourselves, why we say God couldn't use me. God couldn't use me because, and then we may have a drop-down list that we go through and we pick up because of X, Y, and Z. Moses was living in the desert. He was living in a desert because he was a fugitive. He was living in a desert because he was a fugitive because he killed someone. So he was a murderer. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. Anyone ever killed someone? No. That would be a really weird appeal. But Moses was there because he had killed someone. He was a murderer and he was in hiding. Moses lived in a palace where in the nation that ruled the world at the time. And now he is in the desert. He is so in the desert, he doesn't even have his own sheep. The Bible says he was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. He doesn't even have his own. He's not got his own flock. He's got nothing. He's in a place of abject humility. He's got nothing. And in fact, if you remember, just fast forward in the Bible, if you like, the story of David, when they, they came to crown the king of Samuel came to crown the king of David and uh, crown the king, crown David as king. There we go. And he came to Jesse, and Jesse late pulled all his sons out and paraded them in front of Samuel. Samuel says, No, he's not here. Where is David? Where was David? Looking after the sheep. Why? Because looking after the sheep was something that children or women did. Men didn't do that. They had far more important things to do. Boys or women would look after the sheep in that time. But here is Moses in the desert looking after sheep that aren't his. I mean, it can't get any more humiliating than that. It can't get any more humiliating than that. So he could have said, when he says, who am I that I should... There are a list of reasons why he would think that about himself. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go? Don't you know who I am, God? I've killed someone. I'm in hiding. I'm 80. I'm old. I don't even have a sheep to my name. Who am I? And then God says those amazing words. And he says this to you today. He says, I will be with you. I will be with you. And that's all you need to know. 
I will be with you. So whatever reason you have this morning for disqualifying yourself from a ministry or the calling of God or even having a moment where God would speak to you on your own. God would never speak to me on my own. Of course he would. Whatever reason you have for, for why God wouldn't, let me tell you this, it's nonsense. God wants to speak to you. He wants you to encounter him. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to have those moments where you know that God is speaking to you and where you can respond. And who knows? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can use you. If he could use those guys, if he could use Moses after Moses' CV that we just went through, if he could use Moses to lead the nation from captivity to freedom, to encounter God in ways that they'd never encountered God before, he could use any of us. Let's pray. Let's pray. <coughs> Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you love us. We thank you that, I mean, I really thank you that none of this is dependent on us. It is about you and who you are. And so, Lord, I pray that in this moment, Whatever reasons we may have for disqualifying ourselves from whatever it is we've been disqualifying ourselves from, I just speak freedom in Jesus' name. I pray that, that you will help us to see that, that you delight in using us as broken and as humble and as whatever else category we fall into, you delight in using us. And so help us to come to you in humility. Help us, Jesus, to, to be able to say, Yes, thank you that even though Moses was a refugee in that sense, a fugitive, hiding in the desert, maybe assumed no one knew who he was, you called him by name. What an amazing moment. And Father, I believe that this morning you're calling some of us by name. You're saying our names. You want us to turn our attention to you. So I pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us to turn our eyes to you. And in so doing, as we take a step towards you, that you will take a step towards us. Your word encourages us to draw near to you, and you will draw near to us. So help us, Jesus, to be people who expect to hear from you, to actually hear from you, and to put those things into practice. Lord, that we would see your kingdom come, and your will be done here, in Cinnamon Brow, and in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.